Welcome to Lead On, a program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and I've been a ministry leader for a long time. I've been a pastor and a church planter and a ministry executive, and over the years I've learned a few things about using biblical and theological categories to try to craft some answers to the practical challenges, the dilemmas, if you will, of leading a church or a ministry organization. Now this program is for pastors, deacons, elders, trustees, associate pastors. It's for missionaries and uh, people who work in Christian schools. It's for all of us who find ourselves in some way involved in ministry leadership. Now, We've been talking on the program about the results of some surveying among pastors about the most pressing problems they were facing, particularly as we moved from 2020 into 2021 and uh, from the really worst times of the pandemic into some maybe better times. But what were some of the challenges? And one of the challenges at the top of the list was finances. In fact, one pastor summed it up best when he said, we need more money. He said four words would solve our problem. We need more money. Well, that's certainly the case for many ministry organizations and many churches. So how do you go about getting this more money that you need uh, to solve this problem in your church or in a ministry organization? Well, we talked first of all on the program last week about sort of a foundational perspective on solving this problem, and that is that ministry leaders, that's people like you and me, We have to become models of stewardship and models of generosity. And as we do that, we gain the platform, if you will, or the credibility to speak to others about this important issue. So today I want to shift gears, not so much from the personal modeling that all of us as leaders are expected to provide, but now more towards some strategic choices we can make Uh, about how we can practically solve the problem of increasing the resource base in our church or in our ministry organization. Now, some churches uh, find themselves in what I call the downward spiral of ministry finance. It's kind of a seven-step decline. Here's what it sounds like. First of all, a church has adequate resources in the moment for its work. In other words, the bills are paid, everything's fine, we've got just enough money to make it going forward. Then circumstances change. Maybe a business closes in your community and some of your families have to relocate. Maybe a controversy arises in your church and some of your best givers leave and go to another church down the block. Maybe, maybe you have a scandal or a difficulty or some kind of hardship that hits your church and causes some rupture or disruption and causes people to react with by changing their giving patterns. Maybe it's not anything that has to do with you or your local situation. Perhaps a national economic downturn happens, but something, some circumstance changes which causes a shortfall of resources in your context. Well, then that leads to the next step. Leaders see the decline and they wonder, What do we do? What do we do? And they pray, and they talk, and they fret, and they worry. What do we do? Well, now we're to the next step. They do the obvious. They ask people for money. They appeal for funds. 
They do fundraising. And by doing so, they may solve the problem in the moment. The church may respond, and it may respond generously. But the problem is not really solved. Because the problem is not we don't have enough money right now. The problem is when difficulty, challenge, turmoil, or division came, we didn't have a discipled stewardship base that could sustain us. And then the pattern repeats itself. And so you have enough money in the moment because you did this good fundraising. But then circumstances change again, and the leaders wonder, what do we do? What do we do? So they pray and they hope, and yes, they finally ask for more money. They do that fundraising that we're talking about, and the church responds, but not so enthusiastically the next time around. And the problem may not be fully solved, and the church loses a little bit more ground. And you can see that as you repeat this pattern, the diminishing returns are you find yourself in more and more and more financial distress. So there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way for building a ministry finance strategy that provides the kind of long-term strength and stability we need. There's got to be a better way. So let me give you three steps that I think are common to churches that have financial strength and that you can put into practice where you are right now. Before I give you those three steps, though, I give you this one caution. There are no quick fixes. If you need more money by this next Sunday, (laughs) this probably is not going to help you too much. This is not a Sunday by Sunday or a month by month approach. This is about establishing a pattern that assures you of the financial resources you need over the long haul in a church or a ministry organization. So now, three steps. First, focus in your church or in your organization on developing stewards, not fundraising, as a core practice of your church's ministry. Now that is a very seminal statement. Focus on developing stewards, not fundraising. I once had a retired minister who worked with me, and his responsibility was helping churches develop stewardship programs. I introduced him to a young pastor one day and said, this is my friend, and he'll help you. And my, the young pastor said, oh, I'm so glad to meet you. I uh, am really in a situation in my church where we just have to have more more resources, and I've heard that you know a lot about fundraising, and I wonder if you would come to my church and help me. And my older friend said, no. I was a little shocked because that was actually this friend's job was to help the churches with fundraising and with stewards or, or with and with financial issues. And the, the young guy said, oh, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I was misled. I, I thought that's what you did. He goes, no, no, not exactly. He said, Pastor, if you want me to come to your church and help you develop stewards, I'll be there as long as you need me. But if all you want me to do is help you with fundraising, I won't come. Because I don't have any time for short-term solutions, only for investing for long-term answers. Now, this pastor was wise. He invited my older friend to his church, and for months 
On a consulting basis, my older friend helped him to develop a stewardship program to build people in this important area in the church. Now, one of the reasons this pastor friend, this older friend of mine, had such credibility is because, because, was because he had been the pastor of two very significant churches in his lifetime. And in both of those places, he had spent the early years building a financial stewardship base by training, equipping, and, and cultivating stewardship development as a church program that was a part of the core of what they accomplished. And in both of those churches, after he left, more than 20 years after he left, those churches were still some of the strongest churches and some of the strongest missions-giving churches in that particular denomination and region. So my friend was right. It is more important to build stewards than to do fundraising. Now, why is this so? Well, because stewardship is biblical. You find it throughout the Bible as God instructs his people to take care of what they're given, to use it wisely, and to give it generously. Another reason is that stewardship is systemic, not crisis-driven. Stewardship is something that you build into the ebb and flow, the warp and woof. It's something that you build into the ongoing programming of a church in its disciple-making strategies, not crisis-driven. So you're doing stewardship development when the economy's good, and you're doing it when the economy's bad. You're doing it when everybody has a job, and you're doing it when there's a lot of layoffs. You're doing it with the rich people, and you're doing it with the poor people, because it's not about amounts. Stewardship is about disciple-making. It's about helping a person come to disciple their wealth, their resources, their money. But beyond that, stewardship is comprehensive. While it's about wealth and resources and money, it's actually about more than that. It's about learning to use our time and our influence. It's about learning to take care of what we have, including the environment and the world in which we live. Stewardship has a specific focus, money, but a broader application in some very other significant areas of life. And then stewardship is a disciple-making process. It builds disciples by shaping people on the core issue in American society, money. I mean, in American society, there's three things that we are preoccupied with, money, sex, and power, the big three. And when people come to faith in Jesus Christ and start a life of learning to be a disciple, they have to learn how to disciple their use of power, their use of or their sexuality, but they're also, they have to learn to disciple their use of money. So stewardship is not just about give, give, give. Stewardship is, just, is not just about raising money to support projects or people. Stewardship is about helping a believer in Jesus Christ develop discipleship in an important area of life, and that is the area of their finances. Stewardship. It's biblical. It's systemic, it's comprehensive, and it's discipleship-oriented. Now, another important thing about stewardship is it does not turn people off about church or about church participation. Now, I realize that some people are turned off by people by going to church and hearing ridiculous and repeated crisis-based pleas for more money. Everyone gets offended by that, Christians and non-Christians. 
but we've overreacted to people being offended by that aspect of church life. And now we're afraid to even talk about money because we think people aren't interested in it, or if they hear any message about finance, they'll perceive it in a negative way. That is, both by survey and by experience, just simply not true. The data is clear. People in America want to talk about money. They want to learn about money. They want to know about money. They want to learn how to manage their money. They want to make the most of their money. I mean, you you don't have to look very far to see whole TV networks devoted to this particular subject. Magazines, books, news articles, uh, seminars, conferences, kits you can buy, all about money. So when people come to church and they come to faith in Jesus, and they're told that one of the important parts of being a disciple is to learn to, quote, disciple your money by learning biblical stewardship, they're not turned off by that because they want to learn to manage their money well. Also, non-Christians, they know what they fight about at home. They argue with their spouses because they don't have money or the money's been spent badly or the money's being wasted or something's being done with it they don't like. They argue about money because they don't have enough to go on vacation or to get their car repaired or to add something nice to their home or to send their children to college or maybe to retire someday. Listen, this is what's being argued about and debated in homes all around your church. And so people know they need help in this area. So when people come to church and they hear someone talking about stewardship, they're not going to be turned off by that. Now, again, they will be turned off by give, 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 crisis, crisis, crisis. Oh, we've got to have your money. Yes, they're turned off by that. But if they hear someone say, our church is going to offer you an opportunity to eliminate arguing about money in your marriage, we're going to give you the opportunity to learn how to support generously things that matter to you and also to make sure you have enough to meet your family's needs. We have a course, a training, an opportunity, a counselor, a consultant, a guide. We have a way for you to grow in your relationship with God as it expresses itself through your finances so that your life is really changed in this area. People are not offended by that message. In fact, they are attracted to it. When I was a church planter, I started a church in a secular community, and many of the people who came to our church in the early days were not believers. I remember one particular guy named Steve. He came after several months of attending our church to our new members class to check out what, it would, be, what would be involved with becoming a member of our church. And in our new members class, I taught one hour on the basics of Christian stewardship. And when I finished that, he came up to me after and said, Hey, thanks so much for what you said about money. He said, I've been watching you for the last few weeks or months as I've been coming to the church, and I know it takes money to do all this, but you don't seem to be too stressed about that, and you're not really hammering us about giving, and and you seem to take a pretty uh, matter-of-fact approach to it, and I really like that. He said, now that I hear this training you've given and I hear about these classes that are available and I hear about some of the ways you do this, it makes a lot more sense to me. And ultimately, he became a member of our church, and partly because he really liked the way we handled things about money. So the first step is to focus on developing stewards, recognizing that it's more than just fundraising. It's helping people to learn what it means to disciple their wealth, their resources, and their giving so that this area of life reflects the commitment they have to the Lord. Number two, 
The second step is to maintain a continuing program of stewardship training. Now, I advocate that you choose a personal or a family stewardship program and stay with it. Now, today on that program, I'm not going to advocate a certain one, but there are several that are available. Really good programs that have been developed for six, eight, 12 weeks of study in a church where you help people to walk through a set of biblical principles and look at how to apply those in different areas of life and develop worksheets and sample budgets and financial plans and really start down the path of laying out and accomplishing uh, the steps toward stewardship and demonstrating that through their resources. Now, you have to choose one of these plans, however, and stay with it. If you do this just one time, it won't make that much difference. But if you repeat the program every year for the next five years, it will start being transformational in your church or in your context. Here's how it happened for me. I didn't know any better. When I was a young Christian as a teenager that our church had this kind of training, I didn't know any better but to sign up for it. So as an older high school student, I did. And I learned that our church had been doing this for a number of years, and then after I took the class, I noticed that it carried on for more years to come. And after I later became a pastor, I asked the pastor of that church, why did you have such a consistent emphasis on stewardship, and how long had that been going on? He said, well, it's been going on about all the time since I've been a pastor. He said, I've always had an ongoing, semester-by-semester plan to train people in biblical stewardship because I knew that that was going to provide the long-term financial strength of our church. Now, he had been in that church when he retired 27 years. And I'll just bet for about 25 of those years, he'd been doing what I'm just describing to you right now. So I go off to be a church planter, and I plant a church in a new community with mostly people who were not Christians, no church background, and all of that. And I realized early on, I've got to build a financial base here because I've got a little bit of outside funding helping me, but within just a few months, that's going to go away, and i got to have some people who are going to take responsibility for owning their own church and supporting it financially. So as a church planter, we created, a at the time, about a six-week course on Christian stewardship and biblical stewardship and family financial stewardship, Uh, and we put that together, and we started teaching it once in the spring, once in the fall. And we started doing this the first year, the first year of our church plant. You say, wow, man, did people come for that? Yes, they did. As we were reaching people who were not yet Christians, like I already told you, they're arguing about money all the time at their house. Listen, money's one of the things people fight on, argue about, concern about, pray about, worry about. And when they come to church and hear, we have answers. They sign up for those classes, Christians and non-Christians alike, because they want to learn how to take care of this important area of life. So the first step of maintaining a continuing program is to choose a personal family stewardship program and stay with it year after year after year. Second, then, teach about these principles when you encounter them in preaching or in Bible study classes or in other places. The subjects of stewardship come up quite often in the Bible. And so when they come up naturally in the text, either in preaching or teaching, just talk about them. And so not only do you have an ongoing program, but then at the public gatherings of the church, when these issues emerge, don't be afraid to bring them out, talk about them, let it be known what's happening. Then third, share stories of financial victory and freedom and progress and of God's provision. 
You know, we allow people to give testimony in worship service or tell their story by video or write it out and put it in the newsletter or on our blog or something like that. We let them tell their story about their healing experience, about their witnessing experience, about how God blessed them with a new job or with a spouse or with a new child. Man, these are all great things. I'm for all that. What about allowing people to tell their story of how God has taken care of them financially and how they've learned to give and how they've seen God bless them as a result? One of the most dramatic stories in this regard happened to me again in that church plant that I've already mentioned. We reached a couple that came to our church in financial distress. Now, they shouldn't have been. Uh, she was a public school teacher, and he was a middle manager of a company, and both of them had been in their careers about 20 years. They had two children. They lived in a modest but nice home, and they came to our church and became Christians. And it became evident fairly early on that one of the struggle points they had was about finance, and so I directed them into our classes about financial freedom and biblical stewardship and all of those kinds of things. And within a few weeks, uh, they told me that they had made some significant commitments to reorder their finances. They told me at the time they were $25,000 in debt on credit cards and other kinds of consumer debt. Well, as you might guess, they wondered, how can we ever pay that debt off if we also start giving and if we also start uh, taking care of our uh, family in a more appropriate way and saving for the future and doing all these things. So they made a budget and they got a consultant that we had in our church, a lay person who just helped lead this program to coach them on how to do budgeting and coach them on how to gauge their spending and help them in those first few weeks of figuring out how to do that and what it really looked like. Well, a few months later, they, they came up to me after a worship service and they said, the most amazing thing is happening. Our, our debt is dwindling rapidly. And I said, well, that's fantastic. He said, yeah, we're so much more disciplined now. We know where every dollar goes and we're not wasting so much and we're focusing more of it on debt and we're, we're giving that tithe and we never even dreamed we could do that. And I said, that's fantastic. Well, a few more months went by and just a little over a year after they started in this program, they came on a Sunday and said, hey, Jeff, we need to tell you something. We have in retired all of our debt and we want to tell the story of how. And so I helped them write that out and get up on Sunday after that and tell their story of coming to financial victory and financial freedom. Listen, maintain a discipleship strategy by putting into place a, for a personal or family training program and stay with it. Teach about these principles when they come up in Scripture from time to time or teach about them when they come up in Scripture. And then third, share the stories. Let people talk about how God has provided for them financial victory, financial freedom, retiring of debt, provision that comes in unusual ways. Get these stories in your worship services, by video on your website, in your blogs. Help people to understand that just as they can testify about God's work in other areas of life, they can also testify about his work in their finances. And then finally, a third and last step is to communicate regularly about your church's financial status so that people have a sense that there's transparency and clarity about what you're doing with the money that they're giving. That's a whole other program we might talk about sometime, the importance of that and how to do it well. But for now, just understand that's the capstone, if you will, closing the loop on challenging people to give. And that is good, honest, open accountability for their gifts. Well, we've talked these last two programs about what it means to set the pace in solving the dilemma of how do we get more resources for the ministry we need to do. 
You can do it as you model it. That's what we talked about last week. And as you put into practice some strategies that will make a difference, not by next week, but over the long haul. You can do it as you lead on. Have you ever wanted to earn your doctorate degree? Gateway Seminary's Doctor of Ministry program is practical, affordable, and designed for working adults just like you. A Doctor of Ministry degree takes about three years to complete, and it's going to help you become a better leader and open up new opportunities. Imagine having your doctorate in three years. You can do it. Visit gs.edu slash dmin. Applications are due April 1st, so don't delay. gs.edu slash dmin.